Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. To the Purchasing peace in heaven for all of eternity and the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Aren't you glad his grace reached you? So think about these words, lift it up with me. Wonderful grace of Jesus reaching the most defiled. Wonderful grace of Jesus reaching the most defiled. By its transforming power, making him God's dear child. Purchasing peace and heaven for all eternity. And the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus. Praise his name. The old account was settled. There was a time on earth within the book of heaven. An old account was standing with for sins yet unforgiven but not anymore. Think about these words as we lift it up together. It'll be on the screens this morning. There was a time on earth when in the book of hell an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and many things below. I went unto the keeper and settled it long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. We'll sing that second verse, but did you notice on the chorus there's those echoes there? Feel free to, to, let, a, to let out a hallelujah or a praise God there. Think about that as we sing out. Remember that on the chorus, lift it up with me on the second. The old account was large and growing every day, for I was always sitting and never tried to pay. But when I looked ahead and saw such pain and woe, I said that I would settle and settle it long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. O oh, sinner, seek the Lord, repent of all your sin, for thus he hath commanded, if you would enter in, and then if you should live a hundred years below, up there you'll not regret it. You settled it long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, 
And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. God's people said, Amen. I hope that's your hope this morning, that you have Jesus Christ in your heart. If not, today's the day of salvation, and we pray for that earnestly. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing on our time together. Our Father, we are grateful for the, the fact, for the truth of a settled salvation. Lord, you told us if we come to you by faith, believing, uh, yes, that we are sinners and that uh, Jesus Christ is the only way to have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, you would save us. Lord, I pray for anyone here that does not yet know that. I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. But I pray for every saint here today that we would revel, revel in the truth of what you have done for us and that we would uh, live this week in response to that. Help us, Lord. Would you continue to guide us on this journey you have placed us on? Would you continue to teach us? Thank you for all that you've taught us over the past couple days. And Lord, we are just so grateful. And we give you praise. We pray for our church family, those that are not feeling well. Lord, those that are uh, just uh, bearing under trials. Lord, I pray that you would uplift by your mighty arm and that you would show your grace and your strength even in these, on this hour, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. I just wanted to mention a couple of things. Uh, we have started this week, as we've been uh, um, praying for, we've started on this hallway down here. And Brother Jim Apple, would you just stand so everyone gets to see you right there? Brother Jim Apple uh, travels around, and he, uh, he puts down flooring for churches, and he's come to help us out, and we're, uh, we're going to take care of him. And uh, he's just been such a blessing. Already in the nursery, uh, uh, the entry in there has gotten some new um, flooring. But this week, some flooring's going down down there. That's an answer to prayer that God has done for us. And that's going to be beautiful. But right after the service, and Brother Caleb, maybe you can help me out with this. Right after the service, right over here, Brother Apple will meet with any guys that are interested in helping out this week. And uh, he'll just kind of uh, get the lay of the land. So if you're willing to help out at any time uh, throughout this week, uh, just meet right over here after the service. That would be a great blessing. But I sure appreciate you coming and helping us and uh, helping further what God is doing here. Uh, that floor is well past time uh, to update. And so we're grateful for the Lord answering prayer and really doing it on a much quicker schedule than we had imagined. But God is doing that. And so thank you for being a part of that. And let's let him know how much uh, we appreciate him uh, for that. And uh, we had a wonderful time with the prayer seminar yesterday. I thank Pastor Van for uh, coming here and just te uh, teaching a good group. And it was just such a blessing to our hearts. What what a wonderful truth. And um, what I've heard from you all is that you, uh, you just really appreciate the tool of it, uh, having some practical steps to take as God has put us on this journey of prayer. And you remember back at Revival, God did that. God, uh, God orchestrated Brother Billy being here and teaching us and and so it's amazing just to, to sense that God is working, and it's amazing just to follow him one step at a time. One thing I read yesterday in the, uh, the prayer uh, journal when we were going through the confession part, uh, under worry, you know, how many of you worry? How many of you agree with me, you worry, you worry? Uh, and it, it gave this very helpful explanation of worry is crossing bridges that, uh, that I haven't gotten to yet, trying to cross bridges I haven't gotten to yet. And so maybe you feel like that even right now, okay? Uh, you, you're thinking three weeks down the road. You were given a challenge, pray an hour a day um, for three weeks, and you're thinking, well, I don't know if I can keep that up for three weeks. But that's crossing a bridge you haven't gotten to yet, right? How many of you are with me on that, right? Okay, and yeah, well, we do it all the time. But, uh, but the fact is, what about tomorrow? What about today? Cross today's bridge, and by God's grace, cross tomorrow's bridge as you wake up tomorrow, and just keep on, on the journey with him. So don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Satan wants to, to, to accuse you and 
get after you and condemn you in the heart, don't get discouraged. Just keep on. And if you, if you struggle a day, just keep on. Get up and keep on going. And uh, by God's grace, he'll, he'll do that in our hearts. And I can say that from experience, but just knowing that the goodness of our God in that way. So just keep on going. Take the treasures that you have in your heart from yesterday and just continue to apply them. It is all online from yesterday, so it is archived at our Facebook and our YouTube um, page, and so you can go back with that. We're going to keep some of the stuff back from the, um, the table, and uh, you can um, purchase that through the bookstore here. Um, but let's just keep on this journey together and ask God to continue to work this in our heart. Let's again stand and sing Save, Saved, continuing this theme of just praising the Lord for our salvation. It's always good to rejoice in the salvation he's given us. Amen? Amen. Sing it out, friends. 341, I found a friend. Amen. Lift it up with me. I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love to tell how he lifted me and what his grace can do for you. Saved by his power divine, saved to new life sublime, Life now is sweet and my joy is complete, for I'm saved, saved, saved. He saves me from every sin and harm, secures my soul each day. I'm leaning strong on his mighty arm, I know he'll guide me all the way. Saved by his power divine, saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete, for I'm saved, saved, saved. When poor and needy and all alone, in love he said to me, Come unto me, and I'll lead you home To live with me eternally. Saved by his power divine, Saved to new life sublime, Life now is sweet and my joy is complete, for I'm saved, saved, saved. 821 grace greater than our sin, lift it up with me on the first. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt yonder on calvary's mount outpoured there where the blood of the lamb was spilled grace grace god's grace grace that will pardon and cleanse within Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all 
our sin. On the second, we'll sing the chorus a cappella. Dark is the sting that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide. Whiter than snow you may be today. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace receive? Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Good singing this morning. You may be seated. This time we'll have a special from the quartet. We will fall. 
Well done. Thank you. I was just reminded as they're singing that Matthew 16, 24, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Right after the promise of I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He was going to the cross. It was through the cross he built his church, right? And it's we that get to experience uh, that building in our own personal lives as we take up our cross and follow him in the same way he went to the cross. Praise the Lord. That's a wonderful truth and song. We could have an invitation after that. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be together this morning and a little bit of a, a fun Sunday with time change and all that, but God is giving light and he's giving life to us and uh, we're excited to be here and I hope you'll get your Bibles open and get notes out and ready to, to write. Children, fourth grade and below, you're dismissed to Children's Church. If your parents would like, write down this hall and you're continuing to learn this morning on just following after the Lord and a practical lesson for you. So, I want you to be dismissed this morning and continue to learn. Tonight's Children's Spotlight will be together, and we'll hear your verses, so I hope you'll be working on those this afternoon. We'll have a good time this evening in the evening service as we get back to Titus. Pastor Van Gelderen's coming to preach for us this morning, and then right after the service, he's going to be ducking out to catch a flight back to his church for their evening service. I so appreciate him being willing to stay with us for this morning. I just felt like after teaching yesterday, it would be really wonderful for him to preach this morning for us, and I really appreciate him taking the time to do that. I hope you do as well and value that. But uh, as you come, I just want to just say a, a word. Um, you might notice from time to time uh, just different preachers coming through here. Um, most of the preachers I have come through here have been an influence on my life. And uh, this man has influenced my life since about 2003 in different ways and to varying degrees over the years. But I certainly appreciate his friendship, the mentorship, and just the, the counsel and being able to call him up and, and uh, ask questions as I go through it. But uh, he's been a friend. He's been a help to me. And uh, probably, and I've, I've mentioned this to you before, um, I know the Lord's had him on a journey. And it's, it's been special to me just to as the Lord put us on this prayer journey to have him be able to be with us and to, to speak to us about the journey that the Lord's had him on. But probably one of the most precious things to me that really just endears my heart to him is his prayer for my family. And uh, he prays for my kids. And when, I see, and when he sees my kids, he talks to them by name and, and because he's praying for them. And that, that means the world. That means the world to me. And uh, so, no, he's a friend of your pastors, and, uh, and that means he's a friend of our church. And so uh, welcome him with your heart, and let's open up our hearts and our Bibles to the Word of God this morning. Well, it has been a joy this quick day here to be with you all, and I am thankful for the opportunity. And when I got the invite to come, I, I said, i got to get here. And uh, so I'm so glad uh, to be able to be here and to uh, just sense what the Lord is doing you know, isn't it exciting? With the Lord, the future is bright. With the news, the, the future is terrible, okay? <laughs> but uh, honestly, for churches today and Christians, we need to truly realize God brought us into the world for a time such as this, right now. And so instead of being frustrated by what you see, and certainly it's understandable, we need to realize that God's going to open doors, do things in a very special way because of the circumstances of our day, and that if we will walk with Him, uh, God is going to do a greater work than we can even imagine. So I do want you to be encouraged, but the prayer journey will make the difference. It really is, because when you go to the throne room, you realize He's overall, and uh, He is in charge, and uh, you realize that you're part of His plan for this day. Well, yesterday we looked at the matter of personal prayer. 
the extended time with God in which you have the privilege of going into his presence and being able to fellowship with him. That's why you were created, to be able to praise him for who he is, to have your heart totally, uh, fully in union with him as you confess your sin uh, and to understand that he loves you and that he is working and there's such rest to your soul, to be able to take your stand against the evil one and uh, then to claim the promises of God, and then to intercede for others by the power of God, to have a true thanksgiving for all that he has done, and then let him speak to you through the word, and truly come up with direction that God gives you through the word, and then that wonderful time of just waiting on him and praising him. So that is, that is the essence of our walk with the Lord. But we live in the church age. So this morning we looked at all of that coming together for a united time as the body of Christ in the local location here is led by the Spirit of God with Christ as a head to pray and to claim His will. Now, folks, one thing remember. God has a will. This is one of those great mysteries. But it doesn't always happen. Now, that sort of sounds like a contradiction, isn't it? Uh, is it his will that any should perish? Do people perish? Is it his will that every Christian stand complete and perfect in Christ Jesus here on this earth? Yes. Are all Christians complete and perfect in Christ Jesus? No. This is that great intersection of God's sovereignty and the will of man. Faith is what God is looking for in regard to our will and our putting our faith in him, trusting his word. And here's the exciting thing. God has a will for you and this church, and it is ex exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. When you get in line with the will of God, and God through his word and through the spirit of God applying it in a very specific way to your life and to this church, you begin to join with God, and when God's people cry out according to his will, that's when his will gets accomplished. Now, that's an amazing thing, isn't it? And so it's, it is our responsibility to walk by faith so that God can be honored and glorified, and the church in this age can be all that God wants it to be. It's a mystery to me, but it is in his perfect perfect plan that he has made us part of accomplishing his will. Isn't that amazing? But folks, we live for ourselves and then we wonder why we get so under it, we get so uh, frustrated by all that's going on instead of realizing I am the child of God, I'm part of the body of Christ and I have the privilege to move the omnipotent sovereign arm of God by faith through prayer so that God can glorify himself and accomplish his purpose. Those are pretty amazing thoughts. Well, keeping that in mind, I want to just simply today talk about how do you grow in individual prayer so that you can be part of corporate prayer, church prayer, the body of Christ praying together in a substantive way. How can your life really just stay steady in your growth, and we've been using the term journey, and it is a journey. You continue to move forward. That's that term walk that you find in the New Testament. 
uh, the steps of faith, starting with the step of salvation. Uh, what's one of the keys? Well, I'm going to look at a precious passage. You all know about it. Uh, you have uh, studied it, but I want to, again, refresh our minds on it. But before I do, I want to uh, read a letter that Wilbur Chapman, a great revivalist and man of God, wrote to a friend. He said, I have learned some great lessons concerning prayer. At one of our missions in England, the audience was exceedingly small. But I received a note saying that an American missionary was going to pray for God's blessing to come down on our work. He was known as Praying Hyde. Almost instantly, the tide turned. The hall became packed. And at first, my first invitation, 50 men accepted Christ as their Savior. As we were leaving, I said, Mr. Hyde, I want you to pray for me. He came to my room, we turned the key in the door, and he dropped to his knees and waited five minutes without a single syllable coming from his lips. I could hear my own heart thumping and beating. I felt hot tears running down my face. I knew I was with God. Then with upturned face, down while the, streams, the tears were streaming, he said, Oh God. Then for five minutes at least, he was still again. And then when he knew that he was talking with God, there came from the depths of his heart such petitions for me as I had never heard before. I rose from my knees to know what real prayer was. We believe that prayer is mighty, and we believe it as we never did before. Now, inherent in that illustration is clearly the fact that praying Hyde had a relationship with God. He could come into England from India and pray for a meeting there, and God moved because of his prayers. He could meet with Wilbur Chapman in his room, and just his prayer would change the life of Wilbur Chapman forever. And that's, I believe, one of the reasons we know his name today, is because of his encounter with a man that walked with Jesus. So I want you to turn with me this morning to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, the precious passage on abiding in Christ, which ends with a great prayer promise. And this is a perspective on the Christian life that is very, very important. God wants us to be continuous in our walk with him. He wants us to bear much fruit, according to this passage, and he wants us to have answered prayer but it is a, uni a unified walk with God that is the secret. So let's look at this passage, and I'm going to read starting at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man, a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If he abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what she will, and it shall be done unto you. And again, as I said yesterday, if you were here, words have meaning. This is inspired verbally. God means what he says. 
we can have answers to prayer. So let's look at this abiding relationship. It's not complicated. It's not mysterious. It is, in, fr- in fact, very simple, but often it's, it goes against our natural thinking. Let's look, first of all, at the fruitful vine. There are three different parts to this uh, perspective here. You uh, have the illustration of the vine. You have the illustration of the vine dresser, the husbandman. And you have, of course, with that, the branches. And so we're going to look at that. I am the true vine, the Lord Jesus says. Now, if you remember, the Gospel of John was written decades later than the first three, the Synoptic Gospels. And the Spirit of God had this last remaining apostle zero in on the deity of Jesus Christ. And so you find the great discourses and the great declarations of the Lord that point very very clearly to his uh, full disclosure of the fact that he was the second person of the Trinity. And one of those is the fact that he uses the great I am. Every Hebrew knew when you talk that way, you're speaking of your identification with Jehovah God. And you have uh, seven times that the I am is used in the Gospel of John. Here he states, I am the true vine. Israel was supposed to be a vine that would bear much fruit. Israel was supposed to be to the nations, the light of the world. They were to have what is needed. Uh, They were to show forth the life of God. And of course, they tragically failed. As Jeremiah 2.21 says, Yet I had planted thee a noble vine, holy a right seed. How then art thou turned unto the degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? Hosea 10.1, Israel is an empty vine. Jesus comes as the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world. He, of course, is the incarnate Son of God, fully God and fully man. And so he is able to say, I am. I am deity. I am the true vine. I am the fulfillment of what Israel should be because I am from God. He is the source of love. He is the source of power. He's the source of truth. He is the source of of uh, long-suffering and holiness. He is the creator of life. He is the sustainer of life. He is the great I am. That's our Savior. And he declares this, and he says, I am the true vine. And we're going to see that that declaration lets us know that deity has provided for us everything that is needed for us to live the life that he lays out in the Scriptures. Remember, God never tells us to do something that he does not put the power of heaven behind to make it happen if we'll trust him. The great principles, the great uh, expectations of the word of God flow out of the character of who God is. You and I cannot do it in ourselves, but by the great I am, we can do it because it's his life that has lived through us as we're going to see in this passage here. So he is the, uh, the fruitful vine. Now, let's get down to the practical aspect. The purging husbandman, the vine dresser. Very interesting verse, oftentimes overlooked. Every branch in me that beareth fruit, not fruit, he, the father is the husbandman, look at verse 1, uh, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth much fruit. The vine dresser is constantly working 
on the vines to make sure they can be the most productive possible. I am not a horticulturist. I don't know all the details, but I know enough about pruning and so forth to know that it is key for there to be good fruit and for there to be a health with the vine. And so what this tells us is that the Father is personally at work in your life to enable you to bear fruit and to be able to pray God's will so that his will can be done. Now, folks, when you got the Father on your side, you're in pretty good shape. And uh, what a wonderful thing. You know, the entire triune God's on your side. And you'll see the whole triune God right through this passage, uh, John 14, 15, and 16. And so he is, he is trimming. Now, it's very interesting. You look at uh, verse 2, Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And, uh, and sometimes that's interpreted that the branch is removed. That's not the context of this at all. Another way that that verb can be translated, very legitimate, is lifted up. What happens is oftentimes branches will come, get heavy and come off of a trellis and fall to the ground. Well, they're not like squash. They're not like pumpkins. They do not do well on the ground. In fact, you will not have fruit, even though the branch is attached. What the husbandman does is pull the branch back up on the trellis, on whatever, uh, the, the stone wall or whatever, and, and make sure it's attached so that it's up in the sunshine and the fresh air uh, and be able to flourish. So the husbandman, when we're not bearing fruit, whom the Lord loveth, the Father loves, he chastens. Now folks, the word chasten doesn't just mean spank. It means all the child training involved in life. From instruction, to conviction, uh, to training, to character development, and discipline. It's all there, okay. So God is working all the time in your life and mine for us to be able to bear fruit. And let me just say, friend, if you're here and you know that you are resisting the Lord in really letting your life be what it ought to be, and you're not really bearing fruit, God loves you. You don't need to have fear of judgment, but he's going to do what he can to train you. It's wise to be in the service like this. It's wonderful to listen to the preaching of God's word. But I'm telling you, God is trying to get your attention. May I submit that for the last several years, God's been trying to get the attention of his church in general that's not bearing fruit, and we're not getting it. When are we going to realize that the American way of life is not the end of life, the ultimate end of, and purpose of life? God has a great purpose for his people. And I have found with our church and with our student body of the college, these last couple of years have been some of our greatest years as Christians have really come alive realizing I need to wake up to what life is all about. Well, that's the Father working. You know, God allows sometimes bad things to happen. Not because he doesn't like us, it's because he loves us. And we need to, to look at what he is doing. And so we don't need to be afraid of him. Listen, any of the trials that you're going through, count it all joy, because God is working on endeavoring to lift you up into his presence. Think about it. Some of the sweetest times in your life are when you've really needed God, right? And I'll take being in his presence over having everything go well. I've needed every lesson. 
he has spanked me sometimes really well. I'm very thankful for that because I'll, I'd much rather be in his, aware of my relationship with him than anything else. And then it says here in this passage that um, uh, there are, as another category, every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And uh, this is that pruning that goes on. Many of you are familiar with that. Uh, you've got to get the excess wood shoots that are not productive to be cut off. If you do not do that, uh, the sap is not going to flow to the place where it needs to go to be able to pr produce the ultimate uh, fruit in our lives. And, um, and so you can even be, you know, you're faithful, you're serving the Lord, you're having sometimes fruit in people's lives, and God's working, and, but down deep you realize, wow, I'm not anywhere where I ought to be. And then what you see is God dealing with some of those dead wood areas. Like we suggested yesterday, you know, there are things in our life that are dead wood that need to be cut off so we can spend more time with God, if we're really honest. We can make reaching people a priority. We can really become Bible students. We can spend time with our families so that God can use us to see great things happen with them. On and on we can go. Now, we may be a good, faithful Christian, but that doesn't mean that we're doing exceeding abundantly above uh, in what God would ultimately have for our lives. And so the Lord is so good. Andrew Murray says, why must this be cut away? Speaking of the extra wood, because it draws away strength and life of the vine and hinders the flow of the juice to the grape. The more it is cut down, the less wood there is in the branch and the more all the sap can go to the grape. The wood of the branch must decrease that the fruit for the vine may increase. In obedience to the law of all nature, that death is the way to life, that gain comes through sacrifice, the rich and luxurious growth of the wood must be cut off and cast away that the more abundant life may be seen in its cluster. C.H. Spurgeon says it well, many trials are not really sent for chastisements at all, but as preparations for higher usefulness. Every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth, evidently not because of any offense in the branch, but because the branch is good and does bear fruit. Therefore it is allowed the special privilege of the pruning knife that it may bring forth more fruit. Now folks, can we not all admit the self-life is a problem? Okay. I mean, we thought a lot about ourselves already today. Now, a lot of that's necessary, but it gets out of balance pretty fast. You know, it's, it's certainly shown, and you see it in the lives of children. Nursery workers know fully about the uh, flesh. Uh, they see it on full exhibit, uh, in especially preschool and so forth. A boy and girl were on a wooden horse, and. and uh, the small boy and his sister were riding on the back. Remember wooden horses? Remember those? Okay. Do they? Even, I don't think they make those anymore, do they? But anyway, those. Uh, I had one of those, and so they were riding together on the wooden horse that was given to them as a present. Suddenly, the boy turned to his sister and said, "If one of us would get off, there would be more room for me." <laughs> and uh, that is just the natural default position that we run into. It's all about us unless it is counteracted by the Spirit of God using the Word of God in our life. In fact, looking at the Word, look at verse 3. 
Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Let me let you in a little secret. It's a whole lot easier to let the knife, the sword of the spirit, work in your heart than to have God have to use circumstances. Now, he uses them because we need to learn. But, you know, the Christian that just takes it in, that is, comes into a service and says, Lord, whatever you speak to me about, whatever I see applies to me, I'm going to do it by faith. There's something i got to settle, I'm going to settle it. But I'm not going to leave the building this morning until I'm right with you with what you've taught me. Those Christians just shoot for it. Because they are, uh, they are being cleaned, they are being pruned, they are being prepared uh, to be uh, very fruitful in their life. And uh, so everything that is not of the Lord is sin and self. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to his word, Psalm 119, 9. And so we need to be listening all the time to what the Spirit of God is telling us through the Word. I love what my dad said. Holiness does not make you spiritual. It clears the deck so you can be. <laughs> in other words, listening to what God expects and letting the Word of God work in your life, it allows you to have self-overcome so that the divine energy from the roots of the vine can come into your life as a branch and accomplish His purpose. William Burns said, seeking personal holiness, the fundamental requisite for a successful ministry. Robert Murray McShane, these men knew God. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. So the Father is working in our life. The Holy Spirit convicts, but the, the Father is, in his omnipotence and sovereignty, is arranging your life. There's no mistakes, folks. God knows what he's doing. You know, the great rest can come to your heart. That's why that hour with God, you just get a hold of that. It's such a wonderful thing. And when you go through the inevitable bumps along the way, you realize, no, God is going to use this to train me, to help me, to draw me close to him, to expose self-centeredness that I cannot see. And we don't need to be afraid of that. We don't need to live in a little bubble, afraid of letting God deal with us. Uh, if we really want our lives to count, we need to realize the Father's on our side. Don't fathers of children have to do a lot of work to, to rear the children with the mother? Absolutely. And it's the same thing with the father with us. Now, let's look at the branch. That's us. The abiding branch. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the father, excuse me, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, Ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. All right, something very important to get a hold of here. And this is where you have to stop and look back at this illustration. Vine and branches. Now, the Lord is talking about a unity here. If you were to walk into a vineyard and look at a vine plant, you would not say, wow, look at that vine, and wow, look at those branches. That would sound rather foolish, wouldn't it? No, what would you say? Look at that vine. For to you, there is no difference between the vine and the branches. Are they not all the same plant? Now, Here's what is so often, and I've been there too, and 
on this, and that is we think of abiding in Christ. I've got to abide. I've got to abide. I'm going to abide. You know, it's like the branch saying, I'm going to, I'm going to stay on the vine. I'm going to stay on the vine. Well, no, he's part of the vine. Now, that is a thrill. Jesus made it very clear, I am in you and you are in me. In fact, isn't that what the Lord's Supper really portrays as we are fully identified with his death, burial, and resurrection? We are completely identified with his spiritual life. His resurrection is our resurrection. Over and over in the New Testament, in Christ, in Christ, Christ in me, the hope of glory. I mean, those are glorious thoughts. There is a unity with Christ in you because the Spirit of God, after the victory of Christ, was able to come and indwell us in our regenerated spirit, and we are in union with Jesus Christ. The church is in union with the head. Now that's something you have to understand spiritually. So the point is the fact you're already, a, you're already part of Christ. It's not you over here trying to attach yourself to Christ. That happened the moment you got saved. Aren't you glad? That, that's forever. Uh, the issue is you've got to act like a branch. You know, a branch isn't there thinking, man, I don't need the vine. This needing the vine stuff is ridiculous. I can do this on my own. Well, of course, that's the whole point of this. It's so silly, but it's a very, very appropriate illustration for us as believers. So what does it mean to abide? Act like a branch. Just remain. The word abide means remain. It's translated continue. It's the idea of fully uh, understanding your dependence as a branch on the vine. The branch is worthless without the vine. So it is it's just continual dependence upon the union you already have with Christ and not allowing yourself to be filled with self and independent from the vine. That's the whole point. And folks, that's why prayer is so important. That gets you into full spiritual union again with the Lord. Even though you have it, in reality, that is your standing you need to have it in practical reality by opening your heart to the Lord and being fully dependent upon him. And what is another word for dependence? Faith. Everything revolves around faith. Everything revolves around belief. So it's believing these things that are fact to be true. Now this is not a promise. The moment you were saved, you're in the vine. You are a branch. And you were made to bear much fruit for the glory of God. In fact, that's what it says there in verse 8. And so uh, it's important. James McConkey, who's so good on this, says, God thus does not fill us as we might fill a pail with a supply independent of and separate from the fountain. He fills us as the branch is filled from the vine by union with it and daily, hourly, drawing upon it for every whit of its supply. And so he who looks to Jesus constantly will not lack blessings. But he who looks to the blessings will often lose hold upon Jesus. So that's what the vine dresser is doing. What is he doing? He's trying to purge you of that self-life, that self-dependence, that self-purpose. 
that independent life that you can live on your own. Oh, you want to be identified with a good church? You know you need to be faithful, but there are plans you have. You're not fully yielded, depending upon Christ's life to be what life is all about. Folks, let me just say this. There's no life outside of Christ. When you really start meeting with him, and you start knowing moment by moment the presence of God in your life, you're going to realize that's what I'm made for. Everything I've been looking for, every ambition that I have, every dream that I have, everything that I have as far as just a sense of, of purpose is fulfilled when you know Jesus. He is life. He is, you have a God-shaped hole in your heart. It will not be filled except by him. And uh, I, I really want to encourage you to get a hold of that. This is what this is talking about. It's not a bunch of effort to try to be a branch. No, just start acting like one. Just depend on him. You know, branches don't decide whether they're going to be independent or not. A windstorm can make them independent, but that's not a good thing, as we're going to see here in a minute. No, uh, you need to be dependent upon him. There needs to be constant communion with him. You need to be fellowshipping with him. In fact, he has told us, he has commanded us to abide. This is a command. And um, we need to understand there is an imperative here. This is not a choice. He said, I want you to abide. I want you to remain, continue in this, this relationship where you're totally dependent upon me to fill you with what you need. I am the great I am. I am the true vine. I have everything you need. You've got to believe it, and you've got to depend upon me for it. And I want a fellowship with you. Now, don't be thinking about who's been in the White House before or now or whatever, but Emily Post some years back said, what is the correct procedure when one is invited to the White House and has a previous engagement? She answered, uh, an invitation to lunch or dine at the White House is a command and automatically cancels any other engagement. The Christian should have a daily engagement with God. He has commanded us, not because he's wanting to make life negative for us. He wants to meet every need. He wants to fill us with his presence. It's a wonderful thing. It's not mysterious, folks. It's just that you set your heart on him. You decide who you're going to love. See, if you love me, keep my commandments. That word keep, as I mentioned yesterday, means to cherish, to hold on to, to protect. In other words, what God is really wanting, I want. I believe that he's the center of life, and so therefore I just cherish the word of God, and I am going to obey him, and that is going to... Uh, keep that, that love relationship, wanting to know him, will keep you in a place where God can work. And so, as it says a couple of times here, without him, you can do nothing. Everything in the flesh, folks, is corrupt. I don't care if it's really good works. And notice it says uh, there that uh, I am and I in you. Verse 4, abide in me, this is an imperative, and I in you. Awake to the reality that he is in us, and he will enable us to do what we cannot do. John 14, 20, the chapter before says, At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Folks, 
the Spirit of God is in you if you're a believer, and that means that Christ is in you right now, and you can live Christ's life in a greater way than Christ lived his life because he is the ascended Savior. Obviously, we have to battle sin, but when we are spiritually where we ought to be, it's magnificent what Christ can do, and there is much fruit through our lives. Uh, we often are like a little story I heard about. In Oklahoma, there was a, a pond, and there was two ducks there that made that their home, and there was a frog, and they had become great friends. Well, the only trouble is Oklahoma gets dry at times, and so that pond dried up, and the duck said, I'm sorry to, to their friend, the frog. We're going to have to fly to a place where there's water. We can't survive. And he says, you think you can't survive? I really can't survive without water. And uh, he said, don't leave me. He said, we have to. Well, this is one smart frog. He said, I got an idea. Take a branch. Let's put it between your, uh, your two bills. And uh, I'll grab onto it with my big mouth. And you can fly me to wherever you find water. And they flapped their wings. I said, that is a great idea. So they, they got the stick there, and the frog latches on. By the way, this is not a true story, but um, <laughs> latches on to that uh, branch, and they start flying. And that was quite a sight to see two ducks, uh, a uh, piece of wood and a frog hanging on to it. And the farmer looked at that. He said, he's out there, wipes his brow. He said, that is really something. That's really smart. I wonder who thought of it. And the frog said, I did. <laughs> <laughs> But that's very much where we are. I did splat. <laughs> Think what happens every time you depend on yourself, you're not in that vibrant relationship with the Lord. Problems come, don't they? And that's what you have in Galatians chapter 6. I've already alluded to it. The fact that uh, you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. But when you're depending upon the Lord, His life will flow through you. That is the right word. His life flows into the branch. We are connected to Jesus. Christ in us, the hope of glory, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. It's just a wonderful reality. And that is what abiding in Christ means. Now, sobering aspect is uh, the fourth idea here is the branch that does not abide. Verse 6, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. This is not speaking, again, of a loss of salvation. It is giving the illustration of what happens to the branch of a vine if it is disconnected to the vine. Let's say a windstorm comes along. Something happens, and that vine no longer is connected. Well, that branch withers up and is worthless. Did you know that vine wood can't even be burned for fuel? I mean, the only thing you do with dead branches of a vine is throw it into a garbage fire. Rather picturesque illustration, isn't it? And what the Lord's trying to say here is that you, if you do not abide in me, if you do not stay in that dependent relationship with me, but want to live an independent life, it's not that you're going to be taken out of my life, but you're not going to have the flow of my grace, my working, my power coming through you, and your, your life is going to be as worthless as a branch. That's why you have the pruning of the husbandman in chapter two. I mean, verse 2. 
And he says, it's just cast into the fire. Does that make you think of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11? Uh, talking about the foundation of Christ Jesus. Verse 12, now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Every work that comes out of our life that isn't from abiding in the divine life of Christ will be burned up at the judgment seat. It'll be worthless. And I'm afraid many believers are going to stand and be made manifest. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, at the judgment seat of Christ, we will be, uh, it'll be made manifest what we've done in our lives, whether good or evil. doesn't mean we'll be judged for that which is bad. But we will, it will be seen what has been the full result of, of God's grace in our lives or the lack of it. Some will be very much like Christ and others will be baby Christians when they stand at the judgment seat. And there'll be a lot of burning up of what they thought was valuable. They did not depend. They did not abide in Christ. And uh, that's a very sobering thing. We will be known even as we are known. You won't need to know what Abraham looks like. You'll know him. You'll see he was a man of faith. You know, did you know the, the men on uh, the, the Mount of Transfiguration, the Lord didn't say this was Elijah and Moses. They just knew it. Why? Because it came out of them what God had done in their lives. It was evident. And the whole purpose, folks, is not for us to receive crowns for ourselves, but at the judgment seat of Christ, it is to give glory to our Savior for what he has done through the magnificent work on the cross. And the greatest privilege in the world is to cast crowns at his throne when uh, we are before him and let the angelic hosts and all glorify God because anything that happens in my life, in your life, or the Apostle Paul's life, it's all a miracle. But there will be tears in heaven that will be wiped away, I believe. That's going to be a moment. Not judgment, but revelation of what we are. Folks, we can't do it. It's all about letting God do it, see? That's the point. And folks, you know, we've all been sobered by the events of the day, and you hear everything about prophecy. Paul thought he, the Lord was coming in his lifetime, and uh, we think he's coming in our lifetime. That's good. That ought to wake us up. God can rearrange things, and it could be another hundred years from now, but we ought to say, even so come, Lord Jesus. But my point is this. If the rapture occurred today, judgment seat will be in the next few months. It could be, and I don't know how the timing will be in, that, in the tribulation in heaven, but it could be in 2022. could be in 2023. You say, judgment seat's way out there. Uh, you don't know. I don't know. What has God done in your life? What has, is lasting for eternity? How many souls have been touched for eternity? How many Christians' lives have been, been developed and grown because of your discipleship, and that's lasting for eternity. Uh, what about in your own life? How much has there been spiritual growth because you've been abiding in Christ? It's a sobering thought, but it ought to be a challenging thought. And, uh, and so that's what it's referred to here, that we must not depend upon ourselves. So abiding as Christ is simply being a branch that 
does what a branch is supposed to do, depends on the vine to give it everything for its purpose, its life, and for its fruit bearing. In other words, life without the vine is not worth living. And the branch can't live without it. And yet we independently go on and think we can do it and our agenda and our priorities are more important. Now I went through that whole background to get us to verse 7. Because my theme this weekend has been prayer. And most of you could quote verse 7. It's a wonderful verse. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. I talked about it several times yesterday. I talked about it in Sunday school this morning with corporate prayer. This matter that a Christian who comes in union with Christ especially with the help of others who are praying with them, you can come to a place where you really can get a hold of what God's will is. But the key to this is abiding. The key is abiding. Christians that begin to walk in that dependent relationship with the Lord, his words begin to abide in him. Isn't that interesting? It says Christ, the the, a branch abides in the vine, and you have the vine in the branch. Well, here we have the words in the branch. In other words, what we're doing right now is we're giving the words of Christ, and when those are taken in and we accept those by faith, God then gives us his mind. We begin to think more and more like him, and we are in his presence as we yield to him, and when we take the extended time in prayer, he is able to bring us into that full abiding relationship. It's not, again, a strain into it. It is simply reveling in your relationship with him. And you come out of that time understanding what God wants. I used to think that my grandmother was a bit audacious in some of the things she'd say. She'd call my dad and she would say, you got it. We'd be praying about something. The only thing was, we always got it. I remember one time, though, I thought we weren't going to get it. She was a little concerned about me as a 15-year-old. She had a reason to be. I was in a public school, and youth group wasn't too good at that point. My dad had just taken the church a couple of years before. And and she really was burdened about something. My parents were going to go on a three-week trip to Europe and the Bible lands. And... um, She just knew I was supposed to go. Now, she got this burden about two weeks beforehand. And back in those days, you didn't change tickets. They cost a lot. And you didn't get passports easily. Okay, this is a different day. So my grandmother said, I have been praying, and I know God's going to make it possible for your son to to go on this trip. And my dad, of course, respected her prayer life, but he said, Mom, it's impossible. Then she would say, well, nothing's impossible with God. But yes, I know, but it's impossible. And uh, there's no way. We don't have the money. There's no more tickets to be gained. There's no way he could get approval to go. There's no way. And she'd say, no, no, no. I've been with the Lord, and I know he's supposed to go. Well, she'd call every day. What's happened? Nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. We'd get down to four days, three days, two days, somewhere about a day and a half, two days. And, of course, I heard all this, and I thought, man, it'd be great to go, but... I thought, no, 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 this, this is impossible. Well, my dad picks me up and pulls me out of my public school. And I said, Dad, what's going on? And he said, we're going down to the Dirksen Federal Building, downtown Chicago. I don't know if it was Dirksen at that point, but anyway, the Federal Building, downtown Chicago. Why are we doing that? 
well, they have, it's unbelievable, they're going to expedite a passport for you. Yeah, but I need a ticket. Well, he mentioned Mr. So-and-so's wife um, is really sick. He can't go. He wants you to go. And he has, he has a, some kind of relationship with airlines, and they changed the name, which is almost impossible. And I thought, Grandma. <laughs> Grandma. And sure enough, a day and a half later, I'm on my way to the Netherlands. Dr. Ed Nelson, who just went home to be with the Lord this week, preached on the resurrection at the garden tomb at the end of that time. And God just said, what are you doing, son? This is real. I'm alive. I went home, and the next Sunday, I don't remember what my dad preached, but I went all the way down that long aisle and fell into his arms and gave my life to Jesus. Grandma knows how to pray. But it wasn't because she had a magic formula, folks. She knew what it meant to abide in Christ. She knew the heart of Christ. She knew the will of God. And even though my dad, who she respected greatly, said it's impossible, well, she kept saying, there's nothing too hard for God. She loved those verses from Jeremiah 33. She'd quote them all the time. God can do it, and God did it. And I'm standing here today because a dear woman knew what it meant to abide in the vine. And friends, God wants that for all of us. Nobody has a corner on this. You don't have to be this great worker, this great whatever. You're already a branch. You are in Christ. You have that position. Just continue and remain. Don't act independent. Don't have your own life. Don't allow self-life and unconfessed sin to stop the flow of God's divine power into your life. It's not worth it. Life is Christ. And folks, that's why prayer is so important. And as your pastor leads in prayer, he is leading in the very thing that is core. Do not get weary of it. It ought to become more precious. I have been preaching on prayer for decades now at the church. I cannot let up because it is life-changing for people. And it makes all the difference in the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, God can do great things. Things that you think are impossible. You abide in him. God will begin to give you his mind for what he wants to do. Roy Hessian, a successful evangelist in England, knew he had lost the power of the Spirit in his life. It was a terrible feeling. He had his evangelistic campaigns, but there were very little, very little fruit. 1947, had the privilege of meeting with the East African church leaders that had come up for a meeting, and they were experiencing some major revival in East, India, India, uh, excuse me, East Africa. It's great to read about that. It was a sweeping revival, and he realized his deep personal need. He met with them just to let them talk with him. He said it was like starting the Christian life all over as he humbly came to the cross. And that's when he wrote The Calvary Road. How many of you read The Calvary Road? Any of you? Okay, wonderful book. And, uh, he would, and uh, after he wrote it, he was interviewed and asked if personal revival was continuous or more of a point-of-time experience. He said, no, it's continuous. I mean, a thing that is in the past is in the past. It is not affecting me in the present. But Jesus is alive in the present, and his blood was, has never lost its power. And he said the revival movement there is the biggest demonstration of continuous revival. They had just at that time celebrated their 50th year of revival. But his point is, it's not an experience at a moment, though you have wonderful spiritual moments. It's just abiding your whole life. Did you know we should just be living a revived life? It's just Christ's life, life again. 
all the time. So folks, I want to plead with you. When we talk about individual prayer, would you take that seriously? Because that is the key to really getting the heart of the Lord and then to learning to depend upon him, rest in him, allow him to deal with the issues of your life, trusting him that his way is right, letting him work, looking at the circumstances, realizing he's putting it together to do a great work in your life, and that he will, he will produce great fruit through your life. Abiding in Christ, I can start right now. Right now. Let's bow for prayer. As we bow before the Lord here this morning, simple message, but very, very important. If you're a believer here, you already are attached to the vine. But the Bible makes it clear here, the Lord Jesus in his admonition, he gives the imperative that we are to abide in him. We're to let the husbandman do his work. We are to make Christ and knowing him utmost in our life, his priorities. And we are not to do things on our own, for without him we can do nothing. So I don't know what the Lord may have dealt in your heart about, but folks, the secret to powerful prayer that always gets answers is to have a daily sweet walk with the Lord through the trials, through the good times, depending upon him, letting him guide, let the word of God clean you, let the purging of the husbandman do its work, trusting him completely. And you can have continuous revival in your life. And God will produce his divine life in you. If you, you're already there, you don't have to do anything to earn it. You can't earn it. Just let him love you and realize that that relationship is the most precious thing in life. And so this morning, you may say, Pastor, as I'm trying to process all of this, I realize that I am not conscious of that abiding relationship like I should. I'm not spending the time with the Lord as I ought. Maybe many of you made the commitment that you are going to do that. Uh, maybe there's some things that you're just not uh, right with the Lord on. Maybe your priorities aren't where they ought to be. But you just say, you know, I, I'm going to just tell you, my heart responds to knowing Christ, to having the, Him the center of my life. I need to learn this. I know I already have it, but I want God to do whatever it takes for me to live in that dependent, resting, trusting relationship in which his power could be demonstrated through me. And because I'm abiding in him, I can ask what I will, and it'll be done for his glory to change my family, change my life, change our church. That's what I want. And I'm willing to let God just continue to work, and I'm willing to let him do a deep work because I trust him. And I would appreciate your prayer for me with heads bowed. Would you just slip your hand up if God touched your heart that way? That's your heart. I want to keep on the journey of abiding in Christ, of praying. Yes, God bless you. A number of hands. Thank you. I really do want it. I want the Lord to see that I'm serious about this. I want God to work. Lord, would you be with these that raise the hand? Lord, thank you for their heart for you. And Lord, it's right there. We're already part of the vine. Lord, help us to understand this. This has to be spiritually illumined, and I pray that you'll do that for each one that asks for it. May they make the right decisions to truly trust you and to believe you. Just bless now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and...
just have the piano play. And as we, our heads are bowed, if God touched your heart, I'd just, just come down and say, Lord, I want to get on the journey of knowing what it means just to moment by moment abide in you. And whatever it is God's dealing with you about, I would uh, urge you to, to let him do that in your life. So you come if God's working in your heart here. If you raise your hand or that's your heart, I encourage you to kneel here at the altar or kneel in your seat. But let's do business with the Lord right now. Let's give this Lord perfect opportunity to pray with the husbands and wives together, husbands, families. In fact, Jesus put this in, in his word to all of his followers. Um, we all need this. We all need this. Every one of us needs to abide in the vine this, this week today. How many would say this morning with an upraised hand, Pastor, this is kind of a new new concept. I, I, I've heard John 15 before, but honestly, I just need the Lord to, to enlighten me a little bit further about this matter of abiding. And that's my heart. I, I want him to teach me more. Anyone like that this morning? Want him to teach me more. Amen. Amen. God will answer that prayer. You pray that. God will answer that prayer. This isn't something we catch in one service. But it is a work of God, and he will do it. Father, we give you praise for what you're doing in our hearts. And right now, we just admit that there's, there's much more in comparison to our dear Savior. There's much more journey that, that is need to be made. You told us that we could be confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We praise you for that promise and that truth. Lord, I pray that you would help those that... Lord, you're working in. They, they said they need to abide in you. I pray that you just give them the strength, the, the understanding, the wisdom, the, uh, the, the closeness with you, Lord, to, to see that um, become the reality in their life. I pray for those that, Lord, they, they need you to take and illuminate this truth by the Holy Spirit in their hearts. They're hungry. Lord, you've promised to us in Matthew chapter 5 that those that hunger and thirst after righteousness would be filled. So I pray that you would fill their hungry hearts and would you continue moving us forward for your glory and for your, for your purposes, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been good to be together today. Amen. Looking forward to tonight, 6 o'clock and uh, 5.30 right in here uh, for uh, prayer time before. I just encourage you to come in. If you come in during that time, if you come in a little bit late, just come. Just get down right around the front. We're just praying together, letting the Holy Spirit lead our prayer time. And uh, just asking the Lord to, uh, to guide us during that time. So 5.30, 6 o'clock for the, the service. And uh, we'll enjoy being in the book of Titus. Really uh, intrigued in how the Lord's aligning some thoughts today. This matter of abiding in him, living a life that's not, not of us. And I think we're going to find this, uh, this evening how that uh, God wants to take doctrine...
the truth of his word, and he wants it to be very practical, Titus chapter 2. I mean, he really just lands on that in Titus chapter 2. So I'm excited to be together because it just puts a lot of practicality uh, to the doctrine of his word. And so that'll be tonight, along with Children's Spotlight and missionary uh, letters and just a good time together as a church family. So let's gather back tonight and uh, be uh, together 5.30 and then 6 p.m. Any other announcements? As far as announcements go, we are having the snack attack tonight for the teens, so teens be here for the snack attack after the evening service. This Tuesday uh, will be the Adventure Camp Prop Prep Night, so if you can make it this Tuesday at 6 p.m. to help with that, we'd appreciate it. Same day, this Tuesday is also the Churchwide Deep Cleaning Day, so there's two times there, one to three and seven to nine. If you can make either one of those, we would appreciate that as well. The, uh, the baby shower for Libby Bunner is March 20th, so it'll be next Sunday after the evening service. We prepare for that, ladies. And then greeters and ushers, you have a training meeting. This will be the 27th. That is a Sunday at 5 p.m. So greeters and ushers, be here for that at 5 p.m. on the 27th. And then keep the Conquerors Through Christ offering in mind, which is April 3rd. Pastor? I'll have you pray in just a second, Brother Caleb. But um, just one thing, tonight for uh, during the prayer time, uh, the kids will be practicing in the AKC room at, um, at 530. So uh, they, they have a place to go. My wife will be practicing with them. And... Uh, the uh, last time, um, just as a praise, there was so much deep cleaning that happened around the church. Really, our focus on, on Tuesday night will just be the um, be the adventure uh, camp, and so there's not a need for that on this Tuesday. And uh, sorry to have that in the bulletin and that um, be announced, but you guys all did such a wonderful job the last time. There might need to be some deep cleaning after we get done with the floor. Uh, but that's a, that's that's another week. So we praise the Lord for that. All right, Brother Apple is going to have a meeting over here uh, with any men that are willing, men and ladies, or whatever. If you're willing to help out, uh, come over here. Brother Caleb will help with that meeting. And so thank you for being here this morning. God bless you. I'll be out in the lobby if you need anything.
Against the raging tide. 